You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to my Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I would like to begin today's show by calling in the Helping Spirits. And I know it's the same helping spirits every time we call them in, but that's kind of the point. That is the power of ceremony is to repeat again and again and again and to establish that relationship. And so I call out to the ancestors. I call out to all of those who are good and true and beautiful in my line and in yours, those who dreamt of a future and we emerged. I call out to these ancestors to help us to be better dreamers, that we may dream of a future for the descendants who are coming that does not overburden them with those things we could have fixed, but allows them the bright and shiny gifts that are the expressions of our soul's true purposes. So I call out to those ancestors who live and died well to join us here today as we talk about ancestral healing. And as I call out to these ancestors and your ancestors and those, everyone who is listening, and I call out to the ancestors also of everyone who should be listening. I call out to all of the ancestors because you know what happens when we call out to our ancestors. We call out to the same beings that what we learn from working with the ancestors is that we are one human family. There are no lines. There are no distinctions. So I call out to all of the grandfathers all the way back to the first man and all of the grandmothers all the way back to the first woman. I call out to the people of the planet, to those ancestors to be with us. Because those who are living here on the planet today, we need help. We need help with the great burden of your brothers and sisters who have not yet crossed over where they belong. And so I call out to the ancestors to be with us here today, strong and in force. That the circles of ancestors gather around us all the way back to the beginning. That the wisdom of humanity... And how to live here in a good way with each other and with all other living things may be present in these ancestors. So I call out to the earth below and I give thanks to the energy of restoration and rejuvenation and replenishment. We give thanks to the earth and the wonder of springtime here in the northern hemisphere and the great beauty and the letting go of fall in the southern hemisphere. We call out to the earth and give thanks for the possibility of grounding should we choose to use it, for the connection and the interconnection of this world in which we live and the beauty through that interconnection of connecting to the oneness and knowing who we are and where we belong and coming into right relationship with ourselves, with the environment, with the spirit world, with the natural world and with all things. So we call out to the earth for the wonderer of her teachings that we might know how to manifest here in a good way. And I call out to the sky above, let us reach up with our feet firmly planted into the earth, reach up from our bellies and our hearts and our minds all the way up through all the layers of the sky, all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this power, call it down. To draw in the energy of protection and blessing 
to draw in the energy of generosity and benevolence, the inspiration and illumination that comes. We call in these energies that we might be guided. We might feel the hand at our back. We might feel the mentorship available for us all around and those champions who would help us with our cause. We call the sky energy in and we draw it down to illuminate our mind and allow all the wisdom of the cosmos to join us that we might let go of the strange and funny false ideas of today and resonate with the true teachings throughout our cosmos. So to bring the energy of the sky down and the earth up and let them blend and merge and dance within our own being, we call out to the energy of the heart to be with us here today in its great and masterful and unique presence as the crucible, the crucible that can hold the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal cold, clear clarity of the mind and draw those energies in together without losing one ounce of their true nature. And to let them mix and merge and dance that we might find within it the remembering of why we are here. That we might come to understanding of our gifts and what our soul's true purpose is in this life and have the courage to choose to bring that energy out into the world. So with all the ancestors gathering round, the earth below, the sky above, and our soul's purpose burning within us, we give thanks. We give thanks for all those gathered round, for all those who make this show possible. I give thanks to all those of you who have donated to the show. And if this show moves you, please consider doing so yourself. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click the support button and donate any amount you choose to, large or small. Every single bit is appreciated no matter what currency it comes in. It all keeps the show live and sustainable and on the air so that anyone who has access to a computer or the ability to download can listen. So thank you all for helping to keep the show going. So today, we're going to talk about what does it really mean to heal your ancestral lines? What does that mean? What is ancestral healing? Um, and how do we do it? And why should we bother? Now, just to be honest, today's show is not live. Sorry about that. But this week, I am busy in BC, in British Columbia, Canada, at the Shaman Conference. And... Um, if you have any questions about today's show, please feel free just to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. And um, questions that come in will either be answered individually or they'll turn into the next show about ancestral healing and your questions. So what does it mean to heal the ancestral lines? Why should we? And what does it mean to us, the living, to heal the ancestral lines? And what does it mean to the descendants, those who are coming, for us to choose now to heal the ancestral lines? Okay, so what does it mean to heal the ancestral lines? Well, there's lots of talk, not just talk, there are lots of opportunities going on right now for people to do ancestral healing. And to be honest, I'm not sure that everyone who is offering ancestral healing is talking about precisely the same thing. With that said, it's probably all good work. Um, the reason that this is not as clear as, for example, soul retrieval healing is because ancestral healing, as it is needed today, is not a traditional um, act 
of shamanic healing. We still use traditional um, shamanic healing skills, basically, to do ancestral healing. But the need for it, the, the illness, in a sense, and the remedy for that illness is not necessarily part of traditional shamanism. And the reason for that is because traditionally in shamanic cultures, people took great care at the time of someone's death to make sure that their spirit, that now freed from their body, their spirit, was tended in a way that it was able to clear out of the land of the living. In other words, regardless of how that person chose to live, the people around would choose to take action after the person's death to make sure that their debts were paid, what they left unreconciled was reconciled, and that where they had done harm, some sort of repair done so that the person would be free then to cross over um, out of the land of the living and into the realm of spirit and get eventually then to the land of the dead where they belong. And the reason for this is because um, indigenous people worldwide understand that the presence of the dead in the land of the living, here on the living, is damaging for us. It's damaging for the land, it's damaging for the people, and it's particularly damaging for the children and the vulnerable. So the elders and um, those who are somewhat mentally unstable or, or ungrounded, perhaps. Those who are easily influenced by outside forces, I guess would be the way to say that. Um, so what ancestral healing is then, in the, in the deepest sense, is using, from a shamanic perspective, what it is. There, there, what's on my mind right now, and so I, I should just acknowledge it now so we can carry on with this show and not um, have to circle back around to it. There is a really beautiful psychological, um, psychodrama-based process called family constellation healing which does work its way back several generations to clear patterns of energy held by those who are living. So it is a way to affect the patterns the living are holding that are coming from generations that may at this point be dead. Um, and it's beautiful work. There, I have no criticism of it at all. It is one of the many ways we begin to tap this energy that practitioners are feeling more and more strongly this unresolved energy of the ancestors. Maybe, maybe we should go there first. So why is there unresolved energy of the ancestors? So as I was just saying, shamanic people put a lot of effort into the rituals and practices around death, the time of someone's death, to make sure that the person's spirit cleared out of the land of the living. Why? Because the presence of the dead around the living is de deeply detrimental to the living, especially those who are easily influenced by outside forces. Um, so, why is this an issue today? Why is this a bigger issue today? The main reason is because we no longer take that kind of care around anyone's death. And... There are very, very few religions today that still truly tend the spirit at death. 
to make sure that that spirit gets all the way to the land of the living. An example might be the traditional practices with the bardos in um, Tibetan Buddhism. So understand that um, there are very, very, there are many, many traditional practices in religions. And what I am saying is that they are not functioning in the way that I am discussing today. I'm not saying those are bad practices. I'm just saying they don't accomplish this function. And more and more and more, what happens at funerals is happening for the living. And what I'm talking about is what needs to be happening in and around the time of someone's death for the dead, for the person who has recently died. Now, psychopomp, which is the contemporary word for the shaman's old job of escorting the dead to the land of the living, um, you could certainly find the random dead person that didn't get cared for properly that needed to be escorted to the land of the dead. That certainly has always been a part of the shaman's job. But don't misunderstand that. It was not the shaman's job every time someone died to walk them over. That the point in most shamanic cultures was to live well and to approach your death in such a way that when you died, you left easily, that you went with your spirit help and you crossed over. You didn't need anyone's help doing that. And more importantly, if you have lived well and truly expressed your soul's purpose, maybe through many vehicles, but have given your gift to the world, the way in a shamanic culture most people died was to just walk out. You're done. You leave. You hook up with your spirit help that you've been working with your whole life and you just leave and you don't come back. It's like the big journey that doesn't have a return. And so don't misunderstand psychopomp as this idea that the shamans had to cart over every single person that died and toss them over the wall of the land, you know, the city of the dead. I mean, that's not how it worked. It was there for those rare instances where someone needed that assistance. But generally speaking, the first thing was for people to live in a way that they were able to die well, to live where they, they paid their debts to other people, to the spirit world. They did what they said they were going to do. Their words aligned with their actions. They lived their soul's purpose one way or another, if not many ways. And they accomplished what their soul came came here for and um, because they had done that they were able to die well as I said merge with their helping spirits and move out there's always those people that choose to go against their deeper nature to go against their soul's purpose and to live nasty miserly mean lives that's your choice and that's what free will allows you to do and that kind of person's life would need to be cleaned up and there were traditional community practices that would clean up that person's life so that person could get crossed over. That's how it used to work. That piece, both of those pieces, are not working well today in America. I'll speak for America. They are not working well today in America. Number one, people are not living in a way that their debts are paid, that they have an active working relationship with spirits, so their debts to spirit are paid that they live their soul's purpose, which is, of course, the primary way you get your debts paid, is you do what you came here to do. And they live in a way that reconciles the energies of their life that they can possibly reconcile. 
You know, it's very hard to do what you've come here to do that is you new and unique without ruffling some feathers here or there. And the the point of living well is not to never never ruffle feathers or never have your own feathers ruffled, but to learn to smooth them back again for yourself and for others and to be willing to be present for that when other people need it. And so this way of living is not supported in America at all. And so consequently, people are encouraged to live in a way that guarantees a bad death. In other words, a death that you cannot begin to haul your ass out of here as spirit. And one of the main problems we see because of healthcare in America, because of diet in America, and because of the lack of activity in America in general, is we see people who come to the end of their life without enough energy to die. Dying, getting out of here takes a little bit of energy. You don't want to like spend it all and then lie here and expect God to come grab you and drag you out because that's not how it works. And so there are these horrible, lingering deaths and awful illnesses in America because people simply don't have the energy to die. Why don't they have the energy to die? Partly because of the way they lived, also because they didn't get their soul parts back throughout their life. They didn't have time to bring those energies back and integrate them and live as a whole person. Why? Because in America, we don't value living as a whole person. So there's all of these things about the typical American life and that if you buy that program whole hog and commit to it, and live as a good, red-blooded American surf- on the surface. As advertising is teaching you to do, you will not die well. And so that's why we are so enchanted by all of these mythic warrior stories about those who, you know, today was a good day to die. Why? Because you're living well. Because you've lived in a way that you could go now and you know all your accounts are settled You've done what you've come here to do. You did the best that you could to set things right with everyone whose feathers you ruffled. And that today would be a good day to die because your affairs are in order. This is why we have such a love affair with these warrior images because deep inside of ourselves, we know that we desperately need to do the same ourselves with our life so that we can die well. So that's on one hand why this is such a big issue is how we live in America and how that sets us up for a really messy, sticky death. Number two is that in our funeral processes, we are very much involved with what the living care about. And we are not remotely focused on the soul of the dead. And what needs a spirit, sorry, the spirit of the dead person and what needs to be done to tend that spirit, to make it whole, to pull it back together and to make sure it gets where it needs to go now, not later, now. So the funeral process, it's not just the funeral itself, but the four days from death to funeral in that time is a rich and fertile time with lots of spirit help to put things in order, even for a person who's lived a hideous life. So those two things don't happen in America much at all. And because of that, because of a few thousand years of that, well, only 100 years in America, but a thousand years if we count the ancestors, we have an enormous backlog of just dead people that have not crossed out of here. 
that are hanging around the land of the living. And now I'm going to add a third element to this morass of energy that is Hollywood. Now, I love movies. I am not dumping on Hollywood. But we have romanticized the idea of ghosts. And we don't understand how problematic it is for the ghost, for, for the energy that is the dead and the living, for them to be here together in the land of the living. That a ghost, we, we've mixed up the idea of a ghost with a helping spirit. You know, at best, at best, what we've done is we've mixed that up. And so there's this sort of romantic idea of my mother or my father coming to me at death and staying with me, and I want to hold on to them to help me in my life. Well, ultimately, that could be a good idea, but initially, you have to let them go so that they can leave, clear out of the land here of the living, and get to the land of the dead and return to you as an ancestral helping spirit. But as long as they're here, as long as they're a ghost, the bottom line people is they are not any smarter as ghosts than they were as humans. They're, they're not wiser. They're not helping spirits in that form. They need to clear out of here. And so we have this very romantic idea on one hand about ghosts. And then the other hand, we have this sort of very dramatic idea about living in a haunted house and this and that. But we don't understand like anything else, we attune to the energies that we are around all the time. And, and anything that is a constant um, disharmony in our environment will affect our energy, negatively affect our energy. And so the other problem here, when we start talking about needing to clear out and heal the ancestral lines, I mostly talk always with people about healing the ancestral line, and I don't talk about ghosts, because then people go, oh, ghosts, and they want to hold on to these people, was a big problem when I worked in New York after September 11th, is people wanted to hold on to their loved ones. And so there's this lack of an ignorance, which is, you know, sacred ignorance, right? You just don't have the information. So there's an ignorance in America about what we need to do with our loved ones when they die. And then that's being um, exaggerated through Hollywood so that we don't understand that it is critically important that every single human being that dies crosses over into the land of the dead. That is critical that every single being leave Every soldier that died on our Civil War battlefields, every Native American person that was slaughtered, every slave that was drug over here, every person that dies on the streets homeless, every single person that dies needs to be cleared out of here. Because the overbearing weight, the suffocation and stagnation of these lives that for various and sundry reasons were not lived in a way that allowed the person to clear out at death is becoming an enormous burden on the living. It is accentuating, well, I'm going to go into that in a minute, accentuating a whole host of problems that we are beginning to consider normal. And that is even deeper problem. Okay, so that's what I mean by healing ancestral lines is this isn't just a story through your genealogy of making sure that Aunt Mabel that died crossing over on the Oregon Trail gets a proper spiritual burial. That this is about recognizing 
all of humanity, all of the lives that have been wasted, all of the meaning got taken into slavery or got taken into some kind of life where they didn't work free, um, you know, wasted through drug use or wasted through homelessness, that, that the person doesn't get, in other words, the person isn't getting the support they need to do what they've come here to do. All, uh, all of this energy, not just your nice little ancestors, because the bottom line is we get back far enough and all the lines start mixing that we are just talking about one family. And what I have seen through now about 15 years of a lot of ancestral healing is one of the other things we don't really want to deal with, but the enormous amount of illegitimate children in humanity, the enormous amount of unrecognized children, not recognized by their family lines. There, there are kids and lineages going all over the place because of all the illegitimate children born every generation. So with that said, understand that there's this huge energy that needs to be moved that goes much bigger than just looking at your specific ancestry and the way that that can happen through shamanic skills and skilled shamanic healers. This isn't just for, oh boy, I learned a journey three months ago. Let me give this a whack. Don't do that. I don't suggest that. But for skilled shamanic healers to be able to move into this stagnant, suffocating morass of energy that is like a great storm cloud sitting here in the realm of the living and overshadowing our dreams and our desires to create a better future, right? Infusing that and, and forcing us daily to attune with it because it's here. And because it can't get out of here, because it doesn't have any energy to move, because it's dead. So it requires the energy of the living to move it. There, mu- there must be free will involved to unmake the energy humans have made. Now, okay, I know I just irritated a whole rash of very religious people. But if it were true that God could just swoop in and fix it, God would have. Frankly, if it was true that our helping spirits, you know, for you shamanic people, if it was true that our helping spirits could just come in and make it right because that was the good thing to do, they would have done it. The point is there are rules here. There are energetic rules. And what humanity creates needs to be undone by humanity. Now, I'm not doing this work by myself by any stretch of the imagination. It is my ancestral helping spirits that are working through me. But my ancestral helping spirits can't do it by themselves. There must be free will involved in the mix for the energies to be transformed because it was the free will of a life that locked them here in the first place. And this this is um, a deep understanding we need to get a grip on because all the manifestations, all the prayers, all the um, non-action Spirit work is not going to change this. This is the heavy lifting of spiritual healing. We have to go in there, roll up our sleeves, hitch up our britches, connect with our ancestral helping spirits, and do the work. And it is not for the faint of heart. Okay, so I'm still right at the beginning, and I, I we're halfway through the show. Okay, so 
the main reason then, in a nutshell, that this is an epidemic problem, and I feel it is an epidemic problem today, is because the dominant cultures are not living in a way that allows, encouraging people to live in a way where they will live well and die well and clear out of here. Our funeral practices around the globe, for the most part, are not effective in this part of someone's life. They're effective for the living, but not necessarily for the dead. And there's a romanticizing going on of ghosts. And so we don't understand that no matter how much we loved someone, once they're a ghost, they need to go. And if they go, then they can come back as ancestral helping spirits. But until that point in time, you really don't want them around. Okay, so that's the problem. Okay, so why should we bother? Right? It wasn't your life. This was another person who made choices. Why should we bother? Bottom line, we will never have a different answer to our problems with health care, a different answer than war, a different answer to our economic stagnation and problems and imbalances. We will not have a different answer to how we treat the environment. We will not have a different ed- answer about education or joblessness or anything that's going on right now. Everything that is happening right now in America, I'll speak just for America, but this is true for many other places, but just for America, everything that's happening is the logical conclusion of this, of our ancestors' belief system. So if we want to actually have something be different, we need to be free to think and act and create differently. And as long as we are attuning, because we can't help it, with these unresolved energies of the ancestors, we are not going to be able to come up with a new answer. We are capable in this moment, we the living are capable in this moment, especially with the spirit help, of bazillions of new answers, of healing, of forgiving, of changing and transforming everything. So why aren't we? Why can't we? Why is it such a big flipping mess? Why? Because of this huge influence of this unresolved energy of the ancestors. Okay, so what do I mean? What does it mean to heal the ancestral lines? Well, that answer is enormous. So let's just look first at all of the ways that the unresolved energies of the ancestors affect us. Because the thing that I'm starting to see that is very disturbing is in even in medical studies, we are starting to consider or to, to label, I should say label, the effects of this unresolved energies of the ancestors as normal. And we'll talk about why here in a minute, but that's really, really deeply disturbing. So let's look at how this energy shows up in your life, you as a contemporary person, how this shows up in your life. Okay, so now the first place is the unresolved energies of the ancestors show up in our physical health and well-being. They show up in potentially, it is an influencing factor in sort of slow growing terminal illnesses like cancer. It can be involved in any old age illness that is presenting early, far too early. It can be an issue in um, infertility. It is often an influencing factor, if not the dominating factor, in any of these strange Um, strange is probably the wrong word, these maladies like chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or these problems that are clearly problems that make life really hard to manage, but they are resistant to treatment and they don't make any sense. They sort of defy all the medical testing. 
right? So these, these problems, so the issues of these unresolved energies of the ancestors creating these kinds of problems in people are really important to look at because we have a tendency now in the, in the new age romanticization of healing to treat every illness as a shamanic initiation which is really annoying when the truth of the matter is much of this unexplained illness is the influence of the unresolved energies of the ancestors in the family line. Okay. So that's the literal physical health. Now this is the place we've actually been watching this for decades. Thanks to John Bradshaw and all the people that have been talking about um, dysfunctional families and the, the movement of patterns through families and ultimately family systems therapy and all of these, um, all of this good work that's being done is that we see, um, often see these unresolved energies of the ancestors in these um, generational patterns handed down through the family line of violation, turning to incest and, and abuse. Um, sexual abuse in the family, alcoholisms, a pattern of addiction, pattern of suicides, patterns, all these different patterns that get handed down through the family. Um, these, if you, can, if you can see a pattern moving down through the generations into your generation, you as the living, if you can see a pattern that, that it may not be, may jump around through the family, but you can see it like, why does every generation have a young man who commits suicide? Why does every generation, you know, if you can see that kind of thing, it's most likely an ancestral issue, an unresolved issue in the ancestral line. So that's that piece we've been looking at in terms of the actual family patterns, um, the idea of the sins of the father are visited upon the son, this sense of things being handed down. Now, the other thing is we also see this in psychological patterns that get locked into people's minds from systematic patterns that were um, more culturally part of the system. What I mean by that, just an example would be, so slavery was part of people's lives at a certain period of time in America. And that pattern of slavery, both sides of it, the slaveholder and the slave, those patterns and all the dissonance and disharmony and pain and suffering that that creates, both sides of that dynamic get embedded in as psychological patterns through which to view reality, basically. And they keep moving down through the generations, even though technically there are no slaveholders anymore, right? Technically. Well, we know there are many situations that people can get themselves into in a contemporary life where you're going, God, I feel like a slave. Or the opposite, getting into a position where you're basically acting or feeling like a slave owner. And so these patterns, this kind of pattern, so it can be slavery, misogyny, um, child labor, all of these different, you know, civil rights, all of these different um, patterns in the culture in different times um, these things can be embedded in the unresolved energy of the ancestors and then get handed down. Um, similarly, times, the time that people get burned into often creates a kind of um, belief about reality. So it's really, really clear when you work with people who have 
um, Holocaust survivors in their family line or depression survivors in their family line or some kind of horrific world event, be it a naturally occurring or human-made, that it creates this belief about reality that was real at that time. But whatever the issue was is lifted in its extreme state, and yet the pattern keeps get handing down not because it can, it's coming through. It's not just what the people got taught verbally through an oral tradition within the family. It's embedded in the energy the family is attuning with all the time because the dead are still hanging around stuck in those old issues. Um, the ancestral energies also get caught up in what I would call more either psycho-emotional patterns or psycho-spiritual patterns. For example, I worked recently with someone where the pattern in the family was just that the, pa- the family keeps breaking apart. That's the pattern. I mean, it's not any more specific than that, but why, why, do, the, why do our families keep breaking apart? We're so fragmented and broken. Um, another one would be my family is entirely fear-based. Everybody's fears are different, but it's entirely fear-based. Or why is it that we used to have these huge families and we've gone down now to all of these people in the family with patterns of infertility? That this often comes out of this sort of psycho-emotional energy or more psycho-spiritual energy, not trusting. Like I did an ancestral healing just the other day where the issue was... The great-grandfather, the grandfather, and the father had all handed down the land that the, that the father in question, the man in question, what, had um, gone into bad relationship with. And all of those men had handed down this very earth-based, um, balanced, yin and yang kind of way of working with the land, of talking to the plants and and really being one with the land and out of that relationship having the fertility of the land emerge and really seeing themselves as stewards and and um, honoring the land for its fertility not and then this generation where the problem began was a man who saw all those men his father his grandfather and his great-grandfather and all their stories and all that they tried to teach him about farming the land he saw all that as weakness he saw them as soft men that didn't understand. You just, you know, use the new technologies, brought the fertilizer in, and you just raped the land. That sense of just taking whatever you wanted from the land and completely breaking all trust and all that relationship built over the years with the spirits of that land. And, and then ultimately the family falls apart. So it's a psycho-spiritual pattern where his decision was about his relationship with the spirits based on what was going on in his head. And then ultimately, there's pure relationship with spirit patterns. People can get some really um, strange ideas going on like um, someone moved into a home where the home had once been built on top of a power site that had been used for a long time for indigenous rituals and used in that way, it was very positive, but as a kind of an open 
um, spigot, it was more like a fire hose with nobody holding on to the end and the energy was just whacking all over the place. And as a child, the child moving into that home had been able to feel the energy and didn't understand it. Everybody else acted like nothing was going on. And that untended power source attracted all sorts of harmful energies, non-compassionate beings. And so the child developed um, a, a view of the spirit world that it was an extremely dangerous place in non-ordinary reality because that was her felt experience in this home and then handed down that belief um, to her children and her children's children. So these are the kinds of things that are there embedded in the ancestral teachings and they influence us today. So there's a whole lot going on out there in terms of what is involved in quote unquote healing the ancestral lines in these unresolved energies of the ancestors. And that one thing that's a relief to know is you don't even need to know what happened. You don't even know, need to know what the actual stories are of your ancestors to heal those lines shamanically. You may need to through other forms, um, but shamanically you don't. The other thing here is that because this energy is this great big life-denying energy that's just sitting here in the middle of everything here for the living, that for anyone who's working with energetic healing, you're, you're running into it. You're bumping into it all the time. And people, some people are getting very clear messages about how to work with that. And some people are getting very unclear messages about how to work with that and frankly inaccurate messages about how to work with that. But nonetheless, at least people are trying to work with it. Um, and so what I'd like to say for now is that it's all good work. But this is what I would like to encourage you as the person seeking this work to understand. In the same way that I as an individual person or you as an individual person are not going to live long enough to deal with every single transgression in your life and bring it into right relationship with yourself, that you need to work with patterns, right? The only way we're going to have any get, get ahead of the game is basically to find ways to work with a pattern of energy so that if I can resolve the source of this pattern, every little trauma throughout my life that resonates with that pattern will be healed as well. It's the only way we're ever going to get ahead of things. And this is the, like a core belief of my healing work and the training that I teach. Similarly, with this ancestral energy, we are not going to live long enough. I can guarantee you this. We, humanity, is not going to live long enough to go back you know, generation by generation and clean up each thing that we find person by person by person by person. That the atrocities humans have done to each other for just, let's just say the last 2,000 years are unbelievable. And this is the other reason that ancestral healing is not for the faint of heart, is that what we find in it is the worst that humanity has to offer every single time. And that is one of the hard things about it is to be able to really stand there and see what it is that is the problem and, and be with that compassionately when it is pretty gut-wrenching what humans can do to themselves, to their own families, to their own loved ones. Okay, so 
so what we need to do then to be effective and to get ahead of the game basically is to work with practices that allow us to go to the source of the problem, to go to the very beginning and to resolve the situation there so that not only clears that pattern out of all of the generations or all of the people in the ancestral line that connect to that pattern that are stuck in the land of the living because of that pattern, um, but it, it clears that energy all the way to the living, right? And, the, and so instead of just going from the living backwards, generation by generation by generation, once again, we're not going to live long enough to do that, by using shamanic means, and again, skilled shamanic means, we can go up the line and ask to just be taken to the source. Now, at that point... I have no idea how many generations back. Sometimes I can locate approximate time based on clothing, place based on language. Sometimes that stuff is clear. But a lot of times it's all we can do to just get clear about the pattern. And that's the business end of the transaction. And so that's all we really need to know is to get clear about how the pattern began and to transform it there, which doesn't change history it just changes how history is carried forward in the land of the living. And that's all we're interested in changing is how this energy resonates now in the land of the living. In other words, if we can clear it, that um, unlived life, that, that negative uh, life denial sort of bad idea about how to do things is not here in the land of the living uh, where people will attune with it and make the same choice because that's the problem is this energy is present here. We hear the living are present with our dreams and all of their sparkly beauty. And the dreams keep being overshadowed by these quote unquote realities that the ancestors bring. These unresolved energies of the ancestors bring. And now since most of us are disconnected from our ancestral helping spirits, those who did live well and die well and are available to help us as helping spirits, we're really alone. We're like this little candle in the wind here holding on to our dream with this great storm of this ancestral energy overshadowing us. And I'm using that word sort of purposefully. I know it's a word that Betsy Bergstrom uses when she talks about the process of becoming possessed by these energies. My personal experience is that there's even more people that simply stay in this state of being overshadowed by these energies. They don't they they have enough of their own vitality to keep those energies from completely permeating their life, but at the same time they're thwarted continuously in the living expression of their soul's purpose because of these energies. So they're constantly having energy sort of shaved off and scraped off by being um, in the presence of these unresolved energies of the ancestors. Okay. So so what I'm advocating at this point in time is people being willing to engage in skilled practitioners to go to the source of the problem and to clear it there in the ancestral line, to, to, to then be in that energy enough to draw, to sense whether that energy is being cleared, and then support the living in their part. Because even though it's the ancestors that got healed, and frankly, the ancestors that caused the problem in the first place, we have begun to live their patterns. We can't help it. We almost can't not do that. 
And so once the energies are cleared in the ancestral realm, let's say the violation of youth is a pattern. We need to look for where in our life we are doing that in some way. And that could simply manifest in someone's internal relationship with their own inner child. All right, and so so part of the piece, the skillful piece then with the living is helping them to see all the many places in their life, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, professional, personal, intimate, communal, all the different places where they might be manifesting these patterns and how, what do they need to do to clear them in this life? And now we get into very traditional shamanic healing, which is the clearing of energies to allow healing and transformation. And it can take um, shamanic ritual, which I consider a fairly um, energetic answer to things, to clear your own unconscious patterns of your ancestors. And the beauty is once we've named the pattern from the ancestral healing, it's easier to look for it in yourself. You're not just looking for a needle in a haystack. To find it in yourself and then do that clearing in your own life. So what does it feel like? to get an ancestral healing. So I just received this email from someone who I just did work a lot. I did a lot of ancestral healing this weekend in the sessions that I did this weekend. And so this is what it feels like to actually have an ancestral healing. After hearing the recording of my session, oh my God, that's my life. All the patterns were as you told me through my ancestors. My life is like that. Also the story and the details, everything fits. When I listened to your words, I felt like I was coming back suddenly from a broken past, that I had this history and it was a logical one, but till today, I was sure I was the first one who was cut off from the family. Thank you so, so much. So there is a feeling of recognition, of deeper understanding, and of this deep, deep unspoken knowing finally being spoken. And now, yes, there's sort of work ahead of someone to clear the energy. But at least there's a possibility now. One of the clients that was here over the weekend said very clearly to me, she said, well, my presenting problem is this. And I do blah, 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 all these different things. She's working very hard to clear it. And I feel like I succeed. And then, and she gestured behind herself, like putting on a hood. Um, but she said, but then it just comes back over me again. And that is exactly the gesture and the feeling of a problem whose source is in the ancestry, not in your own life. So, so that's kind of an important distinction to make. So what we don't really appreciate about this ancestral stuff is how much of our problems are created, at least in part, by the unresolved energies of the ancestors. We don't re realize the degree to which that is true. So, and think about it this way. This is the reason for that. I mean, there's a very logical reason for that. In my own life, in your own life, right, in the unresolved energies of our own life, we feel them as unresolved. We were there. And then we got engaged in something that is now undone and unresolved. And then if we can take action to resolve it, we feel that resolution. 
or if we can't, we feel that need. You know, people talk about the need for closure, the need to make peace, the need to reconcile something. We, we sense that in the life, that there was a beginning, there was a middle where the trouble ensued, and then there's a need for an ending, and we sense that whole thing. In other words, for us, in our own life, with our own mistakes, there was a before the mistake. With these ancestral energies, for us as the living, Relative to us, there is no before the mistake. The mistake was made generations back, sometimes hundreds of years back, sometimes longer. Some of these ancestral patterns have grown into vines that have entwined around other patterns and are strong and have picked up a huge amount of momentum over the years. There was no before for us. That energy in its full manifestation was present at the moment of your conception. And so energetically speaking, it's part of reality. And this is why, one, the ancestral energies are hard to feel and to see as something separate because they feel normal to us because they've been there since birth. There was no before. Now, the problem with that is these energies have been resident and influencing people, the living, for so long now, at least long as science has been studying things, the influence of these ancestral energies is starting to be labeled as normal. And that I find deeply problematic. There is nothing normal about these unresolved energies of the ancestors. That this is, from a shamanic perspective, this is deep disease. This is a deep spirit energetic disease that humanity is allowing and that we must wake up and begin to transform. Okay, so what can you do right now? Right now, this very minute, what could you do? Because as I keep pointing out, you actually need to be reasonably trained to do this ancestral healing work. It is not for the light of heart. You know, the beauty of soul retrieval work is there's a whole lot of great soul parts out there that just feel so wonderful to touch people's souls, but the souls of the living that still have this vital dream that needs to be lived. And so many of these soul parts are so smart and so gifted and so beautiful that, you know, it's, it's a toss-up. I mean, every once in a while you meet a part that's really beat up and that's really hard to feel. But then the next soul part is fabulous and delightful. When you are doing ancestral work, there is nothing but the worst. It is a hard day. And it is really, truly this, the heavy lifting of spirit work, spiritual healing work. So what can we do right now? Especially those of you that are sitting there going, crap. I thought I started to have a handle on thing and now there's all this unresolved ancestral stuff and I don't really want to learn to do shamanic stuff. How am I going to deal with that? Well, for those of you that feel that way, fear not. What anyone can do right now, even without shamanic skills, with shamanic skills you can do this very precisely, but even without shamanic skills, you have a relationship with the dead. All the living do. We all do. It's part of the rules, right? It's part of the energetic math of things. You have a relationship with the dead. Every single one of us has got dead ancestors who lived well and died well and are, are vital in the spirit sense and ready to be our helping spirits. So ancestral helping spirits abound. Humanity has been on the planet longer 
understanding all of this stuff in a good way than we've been here making a mess out of it. But nonetheless, there are a lot of us here making a mess really fast. But everybody has helpful ancestral helping spirits ready, willing, and able to assist you in your life. So connect with them. Create an altar to them, a little shrine to them in your home, and begin to leave offerings, food, drink, water from the long journey to get here to talk to you. Traditional bread from your home country, traditional alcohol from your home country. Maybe you don't know any of the traditions. Offer what's your favorite thing. Offer the fruits or the nuts or the whatever of the season, of the land that you're on. Just do something to begin to connect with your ancestors. What these simple actions can do for you in your life is so much bigger than you can imagine. To simply close the circle. The ancestral helping spirits cannot do anything for you until you reach out to them and ask them for that help. They have to follow the rules, right? They're like any other helping spirits. They can't rescue you. But they want deeply to help you because you are their dreams of the future and you are dreaming the dream of the future to come and they want you to make that connection. We, the living, are the link between the dead and those who are coming and they want you to make that connection and you can make it as however you want to. You don't have to do it in the right way. In the beginning to just make that connection Express your prayers, begin to share your dreams, ask for their help. It's a huge benefit in your life. The next thing to do, the next step would be, especially if everything I've said today is giving you chills and you're pretty sure you've got a boatload of ancestral healing that needs to be done like every other American, schedule a session. You don't have to do it with me. You just have to find a shamanic healer that's got the chops and the experience and the willingness, the ability to do this work. Not everybody can. Not everybody does. You need to find someone who does. You're welcome also to do it with me. I do, this is, I do a lot of this actually long distance. Soul retrieval work and ancestral healing work um, converts very well to a long distance healing form and you are welcome to schedule a session with me you just contact assistance at lastmasscenter.org assistance a-s-s-i-s-t-a-n-c-e assistance at lastmasscenter.org and andrea will explain the long distance session process for you it's not very complicated and we can do that it's not um not hard But the main thing to do is to begin to develop your own relationship with your ancestral helping spirits. Ask for trained help to begin to clear your ancestral line. And with each of those acts, understand your ancestral helping spirits will be helping that healing of their brothers and sisters in the unresolved energy of the ancestors. So go leave an offering then to the earth and to the ancestors and begin to talk with them about your dreams and your thanks that they are helping you. And in that conversation, the third thing to do is to open up and begin to listen for the voice of those who are coming. For they are calling your soul's purpose out of you. So thank you all for joining me here today. 
Next week, we will have the honor of having Jonathan Horowitz return as our guest, and he will be talking about reconnecting with being alive, rediscovering the spirit power we are all born with, and relearning what it means to be part of the whole and the responsibility inherent in working with shamanic powers. I give thanks to the ancestors for gathering round and for those who join us as helping spirits to clean up the unresolved energies of the ancestors. Thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. And I thank you all for listening. 